What people get wrong is not knowing the difference between marketing and advertising. They actually think the two are the same, and they're not. I spent the last 10 years teaching corporate America leadership and teamwork. Now, I've left my 9-to-5 job to help as many people as possible become leaders in their work and personal lives. Some say leaders are born, but I say they're built. This podcast is the beginning of my mission to create change on a massive scale. Join me and follow along as we explore leadership, teamwork, and growth together. My name is Brian Rollo, and this is Lead with Impact. Hey there, and welcome to Lead with Impact. This is Brian Rollo, and I am even more excited than usual to have you with me today. Now, I know I usually say most episodes are special because they are, but this episode is really extra special to me. Today's guest is Donna St. Louis. Donna has an incredible story, which you have to hear, and an incredible message about business and marketing. And she's my business coach. So I met Donna maybe a year and a half ago, and I've been working with her since shortly after that. And she is an incredible person who has changed the way I approach pretty much everything in business. And she just has an amazing story and message that you need to hear. So let me tell you a little bit about her. Donna, besides being a business owner and author, Donna has solidified herself as a conference headlining keynote speaker who speaks for pretty much the biggest companies out there. And her name is pretty much synonymous with audacity. That's a word she likes to use a lot. I think it is a phenomenal word to describe her. And you will get that when we talk, I think. And she also has an amazing journey. As I think we'll talk about, she came from homelessness to become the owner of a $250 million business intelligence company and then an international keynote speaker. So you have to hear Donna. It's been too long that I've been waiting to have her on the podcast. So we're going to hear all about how she markets. I think that's going to be the focus. We could talk about a lot of things, but I want to talk about marketing with her and how business owners can use what she does to market themselves in a more authentic and more effective way. So I'm looking forward to this. Before we get to it, you know, if you're enjoying this episode and some of the other ones that I've done, please make a note to subscribe on your favorite podcast provider. That would be very, very helpful. But having said that, let's move forward and jump into our interview and meet Donna St. Louis. Donna, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to have you. I'm super psyched to be here. And I know you very well, but I would love if you could share what you do with our audience and maybe tell them a little bit about how you help people. Absolutely. Well, yeah, you know me. We stayed in a mansion together. We did. That's a whole other story. <laughs> a whole other story. A whole 13,000 square feet worth of story. We'll have to um, talk about the mansion. Absolutely. Well, one of the things that I do, besides I'm an international speaker, and I really teach people how to have a, the mindset of a winner. But beyond that, because I, if, you, if your mindset isn't where it needs to be, the rest of it really ain't going to work anyway. But we start there. But then beyond that, I help people who have and expertise. They have a specific area of expertise and they want to turn that expertise into a profitable business, usually by sharing their knowledge, whether it's through coaching, whether it's through speaking, whether it's through putting on their own training classes. Um, and that could be to individuals or that to be to, could be to corporate. So I really teach people how to do that. But if, if I were going to identify like my differentiator, what really differentiates me from other coaches is so many times you get people who will walk up to you and they'll say, oh, I'm a customer service expert 
or I'm a marketing expert, or I saw this commercial on anal leakage and now I'm an anal leakage expert, right? Like they'll say all these things to you and they'll, they'll call themselves an expert, but you really have to go a little deeper and peel back the onion. And you have to say, why? Why is being an expert in this so important to you? And what is it about it that matters to you the most? And what we call that peeling back, which, which many coaches don't get to, and many people, unfortunately, don't even get to within their own lives, is there was a trauma. And I don't mean a trauma as in, you know, somebody did something to you. There was a traumatic event that happened in your life that caused you to want to fix this. And you literally spend the rest of your career not only trying to fix it for yourself, but for others. The cool thing is when you figured out what it is in yourself and you can fix it for yourself, then fixing it for others is becomes this process and methodology that you can share and that you love to share. And that then you're at this point where you're actually not working because you know your why. Right. And we've talked about that several times related mm-hmm. to what I do. And I think that's why you do what you do as well. So I would mm-hmm. love if you would walk our audience through your story because it's pretty incredible. And I think that would help them understand why you do what you do. Yeah, absolutely. It's, and, and it's kind of funny. I'm going to, I'm going to walk this a little backwards is that I remember when someone had talked to me about being a coach and I said, I could never coach because there are all these rules associated with coaching, right? You can only talk to me on Friday between one and one fifteen for an hour, you know, <laughs> you know, and you have to pay this exorbitant amount of money and it can't be based on performance. You just have to pay me. And it was just all these rules that I didn't necessarily believe in. And, and I think the reason it was so hard for me to want to coach in the typical way that coaches coach is because when I was at my lowest point, there was someone who poured into me without a real expectation of financial gain. Yes, they, you know, I had to have I had to have skin in the game. Let me be very clear about that. I had to have skin in the game, but someone poured into me. And so to give you that example, when I, I was homeless when I was 19, and I decided that I was going to leave Miami, take a straight shot north to New York, and my car broke down. And um, at the time, my cell phone hadn't been invented, and my mom didn't have a helicopter to come pick me up. So, so I was, I grew up very, very, very poor. And so uh, the ability to get out of that situation, it, it was really one of those things where it was just one thing that could take you from being good to bad, where people always talk about living from hand to mouth. They really don't understand that it's not even a whole paycheck that can knock you back. It could be your car breaking down that takes you from being employed to unemployed, from having a home to not having a home. Well, I had literally literally gone from, I'm going to New York to being homeless because my car broke down. It, that's all it really took. And so I was homeless for about, um, about four months. And there was a police officer who, instead of um, towing my car and instead of um, treating me like a criminal, who actually took the time to talk to me every day. He came out there every day and had a conversation with me. And, you know, his wife made peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for me. And she didn't even ask if I was gluten-free or um, had a peanut allergy. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny how she didn't even care. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Anyway, but they, they bought, they gave me peanut butter and jelly sandwiches every day and they helped me get a job. And I got a job working as a customer service rep. Turns out that I hated being a customer service rep. And so a lot of people would say, well, that's the, you know, the epitome of ingratitude. Here it is. You have a job. You have this opportunity. You're not homeless anymore. You have, um, you know, a place to lay your head. You have food to eat. And you're complaining because you don't like the work. And so... What happens is people start going, well, you're not grateful. To me, those, that pain that you feel is an opportunity to do something, to make a change. So what I hated specifically was 
the people who used to call in, it was at a time where they were putting cellular phones in rental cars because not everyone had one. And the people who rent these cell phones usually were business people. And so they had that Monday through Thursday travel time, Friday, Saturday, Sunday home. And they would call in every Friday to get their bill to put it in their expense reports. I was getting calls from the same exact people. I had customers A through L, A through M. So I knew who was going to call. They were calling every Friday to say, to say the exact same thing. I started noticing this trend. I went and bought this book called Excel for Professionals. I f- figured out, I learned what a, a spreadsheet was and I learned how to identify trends. And then I discovered that we had this thing called a fax server. Well, I started putting everyone's data in this Excel spreadsheet and automatically faxing their information to them every single solitary Friday morning. I wrote code to do that. I didn't even know it was code. I did that. It was working like nobody's business. I went from getting maybe, let's say, 100 calls a day to 25 calls a day because all these people were getting their bills. Um, the president of our, my division, there was only three people in customer service. The president of our division noticed that my calls were really low and my solitaire score was at an all time high. because <laughs> that's <laughs> what I did with my spare time. Nice. <laughs> you know, you gotta do something. I was killing it at solitaire and minesweeper. And so <laughs> anyway, I got this, uh, I got this call to the office to ask him what was going on. I explained to myself, I just knew I was going to get fired. And he said, you work in IT? And I'm like, I don't even know how to spell IT. And he was just like, "Uh, well, you just wrote code. I'm like, I don't know how to write code. I've never written code in my life. He goes, well, who did this? And I'm like, I did. He goes, how? I said, I read the book. (laughs) I read the book and I applied it. And within uh, 24 hours, I was working in the IT department I learned everything there was to know about building computers. Um, and this is the things that people don't know about me is that I know how to build computers and laptops and servers. I know how to run networks and put in a complete network within a company. I even know how to do wireless. Um, I know how to take your inside of your house completely down to the studs and wow. the floor down to the concrete and put it all back together even better than it was before, plumbing, electrical. Um, I know how to pimp the exterior and interior of your car. And the only thing I don't do is engines because I hate getting grease in my, under my fingernails. But, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I really got into IT. When that company sold, I became a consultant. And um, I also became an adult educator. I was really good at teaching people the complexities of understanding computers and everything that went along with them. Um, that they needed now for their job because it was becoming one of those things where you had to have it. And as a consultant, I learned so much about so many businesses and how businesses really work. And then from there, um, I met my business partner who later became my, uh, the CEO of a company he and I founded. And I started a business intelligence company because I really got into data. So I was one of those people who got certified in everything. I didn't have a college diploma, a college degree. So I got certified in all kind of um, uh, programming languages. I got certified in all kind of networks. I became a Six Sigma black belt. I became a project management professional. I was over-certified. Um, I had all the certifications you could think of. And I built a business intelligence company. And, and in that building that company is where I really had to learn quite a bit. Um, and what I mean was, so many times we as uh, experts, we become an expert in that thing, whether it's leadership or technology or whatever it is. And we think all we need to do is be an expert in that and we can sell it. Unfortunately, that's not really how it works. It was when I became pre- really strong in this company was because I learned marketing. I learned sales. I learned communications and influence. I understood the value of focusing on a specific market. I understood target markets and contracts and um, leveraging my Six Sigma to really nail people, process, and technology. So all of those things really started coming to bear, you know, leadership. So those things came to bear because I was kind of thrown in where I had no choice but to learn them and not learning them meant failure. 
you know, so it's kind of that trial by fire. Anyway, I did that for 13 years and then I sold the company. Um, oh gosh, when I was 39 years old. So that's 12 years ago. That's an amazing story. Yeah, yeah I love, you know, that the, the part for me that I do love and, and it is a challenge. It is the thing that I, I am challenged with is for me to learn. I recognize that I needed things to be put into a formula for me to learn. I struggle with dyslexia. And so um, being a person who struggles with dyslexia, and then I have the things that go along with it, such as left and right confusion, um, uh, 3D spatial confusion. So for me to teach others, I have to be able to teach it to myself. So I take these very nebulous things and I break them down into formulas that other people can consume. Because if I can consume it, and I know I struggle with these learning disabilities, then maybe I can teach them to other people who don't have these learning challenges. I'm the same way. People have told me, and I consider it a compliment, that one thing that I'm good at is making complicated things accessible. But that is honestly solely because I'm trying to figure out how to access them myself. And once exactly. I do that, I feel like I can share it with other people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, it sounds like marketing mm -hmm. was a big part of your success. So yes. let's talk about marketing. When you look at the business world right now, when you look at companies and maybe even coaches, people you help, what are we getting wrong about marketing? Focus. Number one thing is focus. So there's, and, and it's two areas that people, they get wrong. They get wrong. They sales, first of all, they have this belief that if they build it, they will come. If, and if you watch the Phil of Dreams, everybody who showed up was dead and they had no money. So <laughs> just because you build it, right, just because you build it and they show up, they usually show up broke. Um, so we're not interested in that. And then in marketing, this is where people 100%, no questions asked, hose things up in marketing. And I'm going to say it's two reasons. Number one, I'm going to point to laziness. And number two, I'm going to point to focus. <laughs> All right. Let's have it. All right. So I'm going to take something like um, soap. Specifically, I'm going to take household soap for your kitchen. Okay. Okay. So when, they, when a company is selling household soap, how many commercials, let's say for Palmolive, how many commercials, or Dawn, how many commercials do you see for Dawn dishwashing liquid? I don't pay too much attention to the brand, but I'm thinking I see a lot of them. You see a lot of them, right? You, there, it's not just one commercial. It's not just one commercial with one person over and over and over again, the same actors and actresses. It's not, right? What they've done is they've said, who are we selling this to? So you might see a Dawn dishwashing detergent specifically with a woman and a couple of kids and greasy pots, right? Then you might see another one with a, with a man who's a bachelor and greasy pots. Then you might see a third one with a couple who they're washing dishes together and greasy pots, right? But what are they really doing? They're targeting different audiences with different ads. What people get wrong is not knowing the difference between marketing and advertising. They actually think the two are the same, and they're not. Advertising is the result of doing your homework and marketing. When your ads don't work, it's because your marketing was incorrect. Mm. So... Let's see if I'm getting this right. So marketing is the work you do to make sure that you have successful ads. It's how you're determining your content. Exactly. Exactly. So what happens is this. People buy these templates. They're like, oh, I have these. I bought these amazing uh, Facebook, uh, Facebook ad templates. And that's going to help me sell my product because all it is is plug and play. Put a picture put a, some text right here for the title and put some text here and people are going to buy. Not necessarily. The reason those templates don't work is because you haven't done the marketing work ahead of time to ensure that the ad actually works. 
the ad is just an output of all the homework you've already done. So people will get, and the reason that we're confused, quite honestly, is because we've been lied to. We've been told it's social media marketing. It is not social media marketing. It is social media advertising. Would you call that even if it's unpaid? Yes. It's still, it's still advertising. Advertising is the message that you put in front of your market. Marketing is actually identifying the desire, the desire that already exists of a target market and exploiting that target, that, that desire to the benefit of your product. Interesting. The exploitation comes in, in the form of advertising. You can't get to that point until first you do the marketing part. And people get the marketing part wrong, so their advertising fails. Why are they getting it wrong? Okay, so let's start with the, the very, very first basic thing is that they don't understand their market's desire. So there's two desires, right? And it's called a mass desire. There's two desires that your market has or two things that, that actually push desire. It's either A, a force of change, or B, permanence. That's it. It's either change or permanence. So here's an idea of permanence. Permanence, you can think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? We want to be safe, right? We want to be healthy. We want to be attractive. We want to be strong. We want to have food, right? Those basic needs, right? Um, so if I'm talking about perfume, perfume for women, for cologne for men, that's under permanence. That's a, de- that's a permanent desire. It's always there. We always want to smell good, right? You talk about going to the gym, we always want to be healthy. We always want to look good. You talk about putting on um, um, nice clothes, we always want to look good. We always want to feel good. Those are in areas of permanence. There is no external variable causing those things really to be impacted. Now, when you talk about change, forces of change, you're talking about things like the pandemic, People are now looking for designer masks. <laughs> right. We never looked for designer masks before. Now all of a sudden we're like, you know, I really need a designer mask, right? It's what we call an outside variable. <laughs> this outside variable is causing us to have different desires. Um, before, back in the day, we used to buy these CRT televisions. You know, they were kind of fat. But now what happened? An outside variable. They changed and made them flat. And now you can put them on the wall. You never wanted an arm for your TV to hang off the wall until we got flat screens and they were small enough, right? It was an outside variable that caused you to have a different desire. The other way that makes your desire, a mass desire happen is inside variable. And that inside variable is knowledge. The more you know, the different things that you want. So let's say you're a runner, right? And you always wear, when you started running, you always wore Nikes. And that's all you wore. Now, I know a lot of runners. And I just blasphemed by saying (laughs) that as a runner, you always wore Nikes because a runner would tell you, I would never put Nikes on my feet. Why? When they first started, Nikes were fine. But then as they started running more and more and more and they started getting into marathons, they learned something very valuable. There are brands of shoes that are made specifically for running. The more they learned, the different desires they wanted. That's funny because I went through that exact journey. <laughs> I, always, I play basketball and I would never wear anything but Nikes. But when I started running, I did. I think I did start with a pair of Nikes and they fell apart. And yep. I, so yeah, I hope right. I hope no, nobody from Nike is taking this personally because it's not personal. <laughs> because hey, here's the thing: Nike makes great shoes, but they don't specialize in a specific shoe. Specific. I mean, they don't. And so that's what you kind of have to understand. So there's, so there's really two ways that people have desire. They have desire from permanence, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, or they have desires from variables, external variables, 
what your trends and, and pandemics and, and things that ha- impact us and internal variables, which is knowledge. Those are the two things, either variable or permanent. The first thing I ask someone is, okay, so you have this new product, you have this new sexy thing and you know who your target market is. Why do they want it? Is it a permanence or is it a variable? And the answer is, I don't know. <laughs> if you don't know this, it's harder to market to them. Right. And so is there one that's better than the other? I'm thinking that. No, no, there isn't. Because, okay, so let's say, for example, you are a person who works in the area of weight loss, right? That's what you work in. Your mass desire is going to be under permanence. Right. And so now, you know, I am literally looking at virility, health, um, sexiness, clothes. Um, You have this whole area that you can talk about. But let's say you're a person who's talking about um, disruption and what to do when things get disrupted right now. Right. Then, you know, you're over here on the area of external impact of external variable. So now all your messages are going to be about, listen. Things happen to you. How do you respond to them? Think about how ridiculous you would sound if you would go, you want to be sexy, you want to be hot, and now there's a pandemic. It just it doesn't, it doesn't go together. It mix matches your messages, right? So they don't, so you have to make sure you understand your, I have to first understand my clients why. What is causing them to want this in the first place? If I can understand why they want what I have in the first place, then I can definitely exploit that desire. So would the message be different, messaging be different if I'm talking to someone that's coming from a place of permanent desire versus that of a very a um variable desire. Variable yes. desire. Yeah, because because let's say let's say for example, I'm talking, I I have someone who has an internal variable, right? Internal impact. That means that they've gotten smarter. So I could write an ad that said, um, remember, you used to run in Nikes, but now you want to run better. Right? Because I know, so who am I talking to? I am talking to a target market who is running and they're smarter about it. Right? You used to run in Nikes, but now you know better. That's an internal, they know who I'm talking to. That would get anybody who's a runner would, who's currently wearing Nikes, by the way, would go, wait, I'm wearing Nikes and I'm a runner. (laughs) They they would immediately go, oh, hold on. I got to check this out. Right. It would capture their attention. So you, if you understand who your audience is, then you know what to say to them and how to say it. And there is a trick to doing that. Exactly. So if someone is listening right now, let's say mm-hmm. they're a small business owner. Mm-hmm. How do they put this into practice? What would be the first, okay. first step? I got you. Ready? It's three, it's, it's three simple columns because you know I love formulas. Okay. So here's your first column. I want you to think about your product. And I want you to think about what, if you're teaching something, what you would teach from this product. Okay. Or so for example, I'll use mine. So let's say I'm teaching someone, um, how to become a speaker. So the first thing I would do is I'd say, okay, what is your most profitable path? That's what I would teach them. Profitable path. The second thing I would teach them is, um, who is your ideal client, right? The third thing I would teach them is what is your target rich environment? So I want you to, number one, column one is identify all of those things, all of those attributes, features, characteristics that you would teach someone that you would share. If I was talking about shoes, by the way, I would point out all the features of the shoe. I'd be like, you know, thinner sole, fatter heel, um, lighter, heavier, whatever. I would, I would write down all of those things. Okay. So the first thing you want to do is write down the features of your product or service or offering. Once you have that, you're going to go into your second column. Now, your second column simply says, which provides. So if I'm going to teach you about your most profitable lane, then my second column says, because this provides 
and then I'm going to finish that sentence. So I would say something like, because this provides a focus area for my ideal client to stay on point in their journey. I know this is important. So they don't go waffling off the path. So they stay on point in their journey. So they have a single area of focus. Okay. Right. I would do, I would answer this because it provides for every one of those features, right? I have a thicker heel because on my shoe, because it provides more stability or it provides less pain on the heel, right? Um, I have a lighter weight shoe. Why do I have a lighter weight shoe? Because it provides um, an easier flow of movement for your leg. Something like that. Clearly, I don't make shoes. But (laughs) Well, that leads me to my other question. Well, wait, you got to get column number three. But go ahead. What's your question? What's your question? Let's finish up. I'll come back to you after we get column three. Okay. Okay, so here's column number three. So column number three is, ready? I'm ready. Which is in which is important to them because which is important to your ideal client because mm. so if so let's go I'm gonna go back on mine. So if the first one is um identify your uh most profitable path because it ensures that you stay focused on your journey, that you're not all over the place, right? And then the last part is, this is important to them because when, you, uh, when you're focused on one path, you will make more money. It's that simple. You will make more money. Right? So now I have a benefit. Knowing your profitable path means that you will make more money. I can do this all the way across. Now, here's the cool thing. Column three, if you do this correctly, column three becomes your titles mm. of all your advertisements. It's, it's really very cool. So I'm going to give you an example of mine so you can, you can really get an understanding of this. Because I, I, I did this recently with um, people in my marketing class and they were kind of shocked at, they're like, oh my gosh, I just follow this right along and it works. And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of the goal. <laughs> kind of the goal is that you can follow this right along and it works. And so that's what you want to do. But before I do that, go ahead and ask me the question you're going to ask me. Well, I think you're about to answer it because mm-hmm. my question was just pivoting or maybe adding on to the example of shoes to address someone who sells a non-tangible service like Mm -hmm. like coaching or consulting right because i know you work with a lot of those people and they can't necessarily say thicker heels for instance with shoes it might be a little bit more difficult for them to list out features right but you would list out you would list out features which in your case as a service provider would be the table of contents of things that you would teach Mm. Right. So if you took your if you took everything you taught and you put it in a table of contents, you're not teaching those things just because it's, you know, Thursday at noon. You're teaching them because they clearly have value. There is something that they mean something. So here's here's an example. So when I do this, I put I teach this my first column, what I teach the most profitable product slash lane. Then my second question is, which is valuable because it provides. It provides a single focus towards a specific goal. And then the last one, that action that so they can, I call so my title of mine is so they can because it makes more sense for teaching. So they can be confident that their marketing will turn into profits. Which in turn is a great title. Right. Be confident that your marketing will turn into profits. That is now a great title that I can use. So if I look at my first, uh, when I look at my first column again, I teach this. I teach, how, I teach you how to attract target rich clients. And then why this is valuable, it provides a message that captures the attention of clients. And then the action, the last column says, reach clients that can buy, want to buy, and will buy. 
that is a great title. I'm assuming you take this and you apply it using the information you've determined about your ideal client and your target rich environment. Exactly. Exactly. And the, the other thing is, as I look at, as I look at these action title areas, I'm ensuring that I'm not skewing. If I'm talking to someone, for example, let's say I was talking to someone and the reason that they desire to do better marketing is because of the pandemic and they have to do more online classes. My messaging here is going to be a little bit different because I'm going to say, you know, I teach this, how to find your more profitable lane, which is valuable because during a time of significant change, you need to be clear on what you're offering. Notice how I changed it because we're talking about pandemic. You see? So I need to make sure that it all ties together. Whereas I might say, if I'm talking to someone who's just getting smarter and they're like, I've decided I want to be an entrepreneur and I want to figure this out, then I could say, you've read the books and you know that having a single focus towards a specific goal is critical. It changes how I market. It changes my message. And so I need to be clear on what the mass desire is so that my message meets that. Interesting. Well, thank you for sharing that. That is extremely valuable. And I can just see people out there filling out their columns right now. That's <laughs> what I'm going to do as soon as we as soon as we stop, even though we've talked about this many times, that uh, this is a, a great inspiration and motivation for me. So I'd like you to share one more thing before we uh, wrap it up. One more question, because mm-hmm. I think this applies to it. And I'll, I'll share something that you told me early on when we started working together. And you probably mm-hmm. remember this is you told me you wanted me to, I, I think the words were kill my ambassador. <laughs> yes. So I'm still working on that, by the way. <laughs> but for all our people out there that might be helped by that advice, what does that mean? Yeah. So there is this, there is this person there is this way. I'm not going to say person. There is this way that we think we are supposed to be. We are supposed to wear, um, you know, a suit and a tie and on stage, or if you're a woman, you're supposed to wear, I call it the Hillary Clinton Teletubby outfit (laughs) when you're on stage, right? Which I do not own one of those. Um, And that was not a political statement. I'm just saying that's what she wore a lot. Um, You are supposed to speak a certain way. Your hair is supposed to be a certain way. You're supposed to carry yourself a certain way. And basically what you're doing is you're trying to follow whatever is that clone, that, that descriptor that you feel like you're supposed to be in. Unfortunately, that's not who you really are. And so what you've done is you've created this ambassador to walk in and take, take the platform and be in front of everyone. And it's not your true and most authentic self. And so what happens is people don't get to know you. They know your ambassador and they have a hard time maybe even liking you as much. Because they don't know you. They don't know you. And, and here's the thing. People have a sixth sense and they can, they can feel it. They could go, well, who's that guy? Why is she here? I've never met that person. You know? And then all of a sudden when you're real, they, they're surprised. So one of the things that I've told people a lot is to um, kill the ambassador. Stop being who you think people want you to be and just be who you are. You know, if you are like my friend Brian here, and you uh, you do a great music. Um, <laughs> here we go. And you play a guitar, and you can, and you have these amazing leadership lessons that tie to music. Oh my God! Then use that. Don't hide the guitar. Put on the Metallica T-shirt and the jeans and the jacket <laughs> because that's who you are. And um, so yeah, I make a really really big deal about about killing the messenger big time. And I'm thinking that could be taken really as a general lesson in marketing too. Would you agree? Absolutely. Because the marketers who are more authentic are the marketers who actually get more clients because clients feel like they know them and they can trust them. When your marketing comes off as just like everybody else's marketing. See, here's the challenge. We tend to 
we tend to follow the marketing that we see of really big companies. So we follow the, the most people can't tell the difference between Palmolive or Dawn or, or any of them, right? Dishwashing liquid is dishwashing liquid is dishwashing liquid. Nothing about them is really different, right? But, but you definitely know the difference between Red Bull and Mountain Dew. Mm. Like, you know Red Bull, right? You know Red Bull. You might not even care about the difference between Coke and Pepsi because they're basically the same. But you definitely know the difference between a Mountain Dew and a Red Bull because they, even, they, they bring themselves differently. They have personalities. And that's kind of what you're looking for. Does your brand have a real personality? And it's fun- um, mm-hmm. I'm go sorry, go ahead. No, no, I, I was no, going to no. say, it's funny because I think in my mind, both for myself and working with other businesses, as you know, I do, I think there is a, a desire to reach a level of acceptance and right. a predetermined standard of quality that makes us want to copy closely mm-hmm. what other successful entities have done. But once we do that, all we are doing is making ourselves almost indistinguishable and not giving anyone a reason why they should choose us. Exactly. And so what happened was the people who have gotten extremely successful are extremely successful because they are who they are. And so the mistake that people make is they go, oh, well, I have to copy who that person is. No, you have to copy one thing. Be, do exactly what they did, which is be who you are. <laughs> right. You're copying the wrong thing. You're copying the suit and the tie. You're not copying he but he that guy just happens to like suits and ties. That just it makes him feel a certain way. But it doesn't necessarily make you feel that way. So you're just copying the suit and tie but you can't exude the emotion associated with it. And because you can't exude the mode associated emotion associated with it, people don't see you as authentic. How many people do you see wear a suit and tie that absolutely hate it. They actually feel uncomfortable with it. They get in their car and they can't wait to take it off, whether it's at lunchtime or a 15 minute break, because they hate it so much because it doesn't exude their real personality. They're hiding behind it. It's basically a news for many guys. The, the, the one thing that I wanted to share with you, the last thing I wanted to share with you, there was a question that you asked me earlier about why do people what mistakes do people make in regards to their marketing? And this is going to be kind of a huge giveaway. And I do want to give this one away is that when it comes down to the ideal client that they're marketing to people generally market to the wrong person. Mm. There are five different types of people that we market to. And I'm going to share with you who they are and who we accidentally market to. The first one is the naysayer. The naysayer does not even care that you have a product, right? You're selling dishwashing liquid. They don't want clean. They don't want clean dishes. (laughs) (laughs) You're selling running shoes and they think running should be outlawed. Like they're not interested at all. Stop talking to them. We spend a lot of time trying to convince these people that running is awesome and clean dishes are great when they really just want to sit on their couch and pop bonbons, leave them alone. Stop wasting your time. The second one is the scaredy cat. The scaredy cat is lit. They literally use the word afraid. I'm afraid this is too expensive. I'm afraid this isn't the right time. I'm afraid they're always talking about their, what they're afraid of, right? They're really afraid to make a decision. We spend a lot of time trying to convince them that there's nothing to be scared of. And most of the time we market to them. Most of the time, most of the time, new entrepreneurs who are marketing are marketing to the scaredy cat. We're trying to overcome um, fears and objections maybe before they even raise them. Is that what you're getting at? We're, we're, we're not only trying to overcome fears and objections before we get them. We're actually targeting the people who are fearful as our ideal client mm. because we think that's low hanging fruit because we know we can help them. Just because we know we can help them does not mean they want to be helped. So you should actually never target your security cat ever. So I had this, and I'll, I'll give you a perfect example of where I screwed this up. I had the sales class that says, and the title was literally, 
Um, are you an expert who's afraid to close the deal? And there are lots of experts who are afraid to close the deal. Guess what? They're not going to suddenly want to take a sales class. Right, right. <laughs> because they're I know I can help them. They're afraid to close the deal. They don't want to take a sales class. They're afraid of sales. They're taking my class isn't going to make them less fearful either. Right. It's going to give them skills, but that's not what they want. So it is a mistake and we all do it. We all do it. Do not speak to this. Do not target the scaredy cat. The number three person is Seymour. Seymour is the worst because he makes about 80% of your funnel and he will periodically open a, an email that you get. You know how you get that 10% email clicks and all your, yeah, that's Seymour. Seymour just wants to see more information. They're interested in looking at your information. They're even interested in asking you for information. They are not going to buy. Or even worse, by the way, they'll buy once. In other words, you'll have a class for 20 people and one Seymour will buy one time. The reason they're the worst is because they make you think that you got the formula right. Mm. And you didn't. You just happened to catch them on a good day. Seymour's it's so rare that you catch them and what's horrible about them is they give you false hope because they keep saying you know I I I think I'm interested can you send me this I I think I want to do something can you send me that I think I want to do that let me just check out your website I think I'm interested can I talk to some like 10 people Seymour's are horrible they'll have you waste so much time and actually do nothing so you got to be careful of them and don't get hooked by them because they will totally hose you up. Um, these are the, and the reason Seymour's are the hardest is, is because they give you so much hope that you feel like you're walking away from a done deal. Right. And you're not. Yeah. So they waste a lot of your time. Okay. So let's talk about the two, two clients that you absolutely want. The first one is the consummate learner. This person is interested in what it is that you're teaching. They are already, by the way, they're already in the process of learning. And they're like, you know what? I need more information. And not, I need you to send me more information. I need to learn what they're literally going to tell you is I need to sit down and learn from someone like you. I need to be in that class. Even if they're not going to do anything with it immediately, they recognize the value of having the information right now. Most of the times we do not, we do not sell to the learner. We don't sell to the person who's currently in the process of learning. So one of the things that you can do is you can look at your target market and you can go, what is my target market reading right now in order to get better in what they're doing? Because that's who you should be targeting. That is your number one buyer. And here's your big number two. Your big number two is the hang 10 person. They're not just interested in learning. They have something coming out right now and they need your help right now. They're like, listen, I got to do a marketing program. I got to do a sales program. I got this person that's calling me on Friday and I need to be able to close this deal. I need your help because I just hired these new people and I need to be able to put a good leadership program in place. They are looking for, they are looking to take action right now. Those are the two people that you're selling to. You are not selling to the naysayer, the scaredy cat, and the Seymour. Take off your superhero cape. Do not <laughs> go and try to save these people. They are not your ideal client. Your ideal client is already out there reading the book in regards to your topic, and they want someone to help them actually implement. So to put this into practice, hmm would you write all of your copy then, assuming that you are talking to either a hang 10 or a consummate learner? Always. Yes. 100%. That's who you're talking to. So my learner, by the way, falls under someone who has the internal variable. In other words, they've discovered new information and they're ready to go. My hang 10 person usually has an external variable. Something has happened and they need to do this now. That's who I'm marketing to. It's only who I'm marketing to. And then one more question. One more question on this. Mm-hmm. 
assuming that you sell to your consummate learner and a hang mm-hmm. ten, and a hang ten person, would the way that you help each one of them be different? Um, it can be, but not really. So here's the thing. Your consummate learner, you just have to understand where you're going to, when you're actually working with them, where you're applying the pressure. Your consummate learner is going to need to learn something and marinate on it before they do something with it. They may not actually do something with it until they have a project. So they'll be interested in learning, but until they actually have a project, they may not implement. Your hang 10 person is ready to learn, but they need to implement immediately. They're ready to go right now. So they have a project that they want to implement this to. That's really the only difference between the two. One will move a little slower than the other. Got it. Well, thank you so much for sharing this information. It is super valuable. And I can just imagine how many people out there right now are writing all of this down. (laughs) And if one of those people, or maybe many of those people, want to know where to learn more how can they reach out to you where should they go oh it's really easy they just have to go to um and it's donna.com slash marketing and what they'll find is the st louis marketing method will be uh is the class that's coming up where we were going to have it july 21st but i just got booked for a bunch of virtual stuff so we're moving it to august so it's going to be the first week in august and um and the dates and everything are going to be changed on the website but it's going to be donna.com slash marketing and that's where they'll find all the information and that's donna with two n's correct yes d-a-w-n-n-a.com slash marketing Great. I'll put that in the show notes so people can get it there too. And then the last question I usually ask people is what is your impact statement? If you had to have a one or two sentence statement that you put out to the world, what would it be? I have actually, so I I have a three sentence one and it's not necessarily about my business. It's really about how I live, right? And it's simple. Live and let live. Do no harm. Leave things better. Donna, thank you so much for being here. It's been phenomenal, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Absolutely. That was great. Thanks, Brian.